you feel it, you know it. D. Raw Productions. It's your boy D-Raw, the Houston sports connoisseur, and today I got my boy with me. What's going on? I'm back, people. All right, so we're going to open up the show today with some college football. We're going to review what happened in week two of college football. Um, one of the most notable games was that Texas and Alabama game. Boy, was it a shootout. It was. I love the fact that Steve Sarkeesian, he brought together a good offense a great defensive mindset for the team, and he got them to fight and keep going, and he actually beat his old team. And not only that, he beat his mentor, I believe, for the first time ever, and I'm yeah. very proud of him. You know, the one interesting thing is you don't really see too many of Nick Saban's mentors beating him. That's very true. Well, no, it took Kirby Smart a while, too. It took Kirby Smart a while. I'm not sure... Bill O'Brien never coached in other colleges. So no, he, no, he did. He coached at Penn State, but I don't think they ever played. Yeah, each they other. never played it against okay, each other. Okay, so yeah, you might be right on that. Um, Quinn Ewers, he went for three hundred forty-nine yards, three TDs. He played exceptional. Um, Texans running game was actually pretty good as well. Longhorns did their thing out there. Um, I really expected more out of Alabama as far as the offensive standpoint. I thought the game would be a little bit closer, maybe like a three-point slide, but it actually ended up being 34-24 in UT's favor. Now, there's one thing I do need to talk about because it actually surprised me. When Texas won the game, because they were in Alabama, the fact that the fans were shouting racial slurs, but I could have swore everybody on the Alabama team is black too. So what was the point of even doing that? I don't, I don't really think that they was, well, it was racial slurs. It was racial slurs, but I don't know if that's what they was really trying to get at. I think they were just trying to, you know, get in the players' heads. No, I, I get that. I get that because that's just, you know, what SEC football is. It's grit. It's grind. And, but the point is, out of all the things to choose, why well, choose racial well, right, slurs? Right. And everybody on the team is black. So you telling me, is this what you think of your Alabama players when they lose? Or do you still think about them like this when they win? Like, what well, is the real issue? Well, the most interesting thing about it all is that, you know, since Alabama lost that game, you know, there's been talk about Nick Saban possibly retiring. And then, oh, then you got fans talking about, oh, it's, we need a new coach, this man, and that. Bro, Nick it's one Saban, loss. Nick it's one Saban loss. is a collegiate football god. Yes, there are times when he does come up short, and you know this always coming into more and more because they've been losing the last couple of years, and now Georgia is taking the top prize over them. But nobody was saying this when Alabama was at the height, and they still at the height. They still have a top five recruiting recruiting class every single year. So okay, yes, Texas is getting better, but Texas is in the SEC now. Hey, you gotta well, realize Alabama when y'all on TV, you gonna you people are going to the schools that are on TV the most so they can get the most recognition so they can get the most NIL money. Mm-hmm. That's that's the bottom line. And you got to realize, how many how many college kids can be on the team? Sure. 
I think I know it's not like the NFL where you do like fifty, like a fifty-three man roster. It's but I way believe, more than that. Cause I you believe got it's red like seventy, like what seventy, eighty kids. You gotta realize it's too many kids that want to play college football that can't get into Alabama. So what they gonna do? They gonna go to Auburn. They gonna go to Texas A&M. They gonna go to Texas. They gonna go anywhere they can to get an opportunity. Mississippi State. The SEC is the number one conference, and I believe right behind them is the Big Ten, and then the ACC, and then you got the Big Twelve. Because Lord knows there's no more Pac-12. I don't know what they're going to do with that. But that's a different topic. Well, but go ahead. Go ahead. Because I got to hear this. I got to hear this. Well, speaking on Utah and Baylor, you got a Pac-12 versus a Big 12. And two teams that's going to be Big 12. Man, you might as well say that, Big 10, man. You might as well say Big 10. Man, that was a real good game. You know, I, I expected Baylor to come out looking for redemption because they lost that, that first game against Texas State. Okay. And... For them to come out against Utah the way they did, maybe Texas State was actually a pretty solid football team, you know, because Utah won this game against Baylor in the, the last couple seconds, 20 to 13 in Utah's favor. Um, do you expect more out of Baylor going into week three? Do you think they'll get better or you think they'll stay on the same track? No, I think they're going to stay on the same track. But honestly, why are we – just scrutinizing Baylor. Why can't we just give applause to Utah? The Utes actually look good this year. Now, my main thing is you got to think about it because they've proven that they can beat USC. I don't know if they can really beat Oregon this year because Bo Nix is really just going on the rampage. And I really feel that Caleb Williams is trying to redeem himself from that Big 12 national, I mean, that big, I mean, that Pac-12 title game. If... Utah can stay on the wave that they're riding because they got some good games coming up. Mm. You know, they, and believe it or not, you know, UCLA is always a challenge. I don't know about Washington. You know Washington State will never be a challenge. (laughs) But they still have a lot of games to prove their worth in the Pac-2. I don't don't know what to call it now because everybody's gone. Is Utah going to the Big Ten next year? They're going to the Big Twelve. Oh, they they going okay. They come yeah, so they so, come over Colorado. Yeah, Colorado, Arizona State, Arizona. Uh, okay, so so we get so we get some nice. So it's gonna be a nice balance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out too. So where's Iowa State? Are they in the Big? Are they in the Big Ten? They still in the they still in the Big Twelve Iowa, with us. Iowa State is in the Big Twelve. Okay, okay. But okay. Iowa's in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's what I was confused about because, you know, they play each other every year. Yeah. And then they play and each actually, other last week. That was a good game. Well, um, if I'm correct, I believe they played this week or previous week. They did. And uh, Iowa took care of their business against Iowa State, which is surprising because last year Iowa State was actually pretty solid. I know. That's what I was really just blown away by that because you would think that's the one thing that I never understand about college. Like, I understand they lose kids to the draft. They lose kids to transfers. But I feel like if you're building a solid and consistent program, I never understand how these college teams always fluctuate so much. But then you always got the ones that always remain the same. Like, Ohio State remains the same. It's just that you just got those those blue, them blue breeds. Whatever you okay. want to call them. You know, it's just Ohio State, you know they always going to be good. Always. You'll never really see them slide. Alabama's pretty much been the same for the last, what, 15 years. Uh, so now, is, is I don't more, know. Is what, that more coaching or program, though? 
coach. It is coaching, but it's also money. But then at the same time, it's about how you, where do you direct your money? What coach are you you pulling in? Because look at UT. They even went through, what, about three or four coaches in the last, what, 10, 10 years. And I felt like they had some great coaches. <laughs> some of them was great. Some of them wasn't. And some of them, you know, they they no. really... Charlie they got Strong a short fuse. Good. They got a short a short fuse for some some coaches, and Charlie Strong is one of those short fuses. Yeah, we're not gonna get into it, but like, who came after him? Because uh, he, he was at U of H, I know. Because Tom he, Herman. Yeah, Tom Herman. Now see, Tom Herman. They gave him the slide, bro. They gave him a slide. I think Tom Herman was there for what three, four years, and to be totally honest, he really, if you look at his record overall from the time he was there, it wasn't too bad. But in, within a season, they really didn't have that much success. So I can see why they, you know, let go Tom Herman. Yeah. Man, speaking of a coaching carousel, what do you think Michigan State going to do with uh, with Mel Tucker? Because I know some crazy allegations, and you already know, ever since, you know, that Sandusky, Joe Paterno thing, they don't take, they don't take that light no more. At all. They, they, they'll find another coach, but but my question is: Is Michigan State really a destination you really want to be at nowadays? They was up and coming. Mel Tucker, he signed. He just signed a ten year deal. Yeah, but what has Michigan State really done? They upset Michigan a couple of times. They never beat Ohio State, but they they get they get they get with Michigan. Um, they they're Look. always. They always like a ten win team and no. at least nine or ten wins. This is the the real question about coaching carousel. What's up with Jimbo Fisher? They they lost to Miami, and and they lost pretty big, forty eight thirty three. At Miami, uh, it's it's pretty disappointing. They they came into the the season ranked. They was what number twenty three this past week. Now we know they're not gonna be ranked because they lost to an unranked Miami team. Not to knock on Miami, you know. Because Miami can have a pretty good football team here and there. But Jimbo hasn't really reached any high success at Texas A&M. He hasn't really done anything exceptional in his position for the kind of pay he's getting. Look, you got to stop beating around the bush. You know what? You know what's going to happen if they lose to him. But why you is it taking so long? How, how long? how long has he been at Texas A&M? About oh, five he, years? He's been at a full contract. He's been there the full. So he, he earned the full seventy-five million dollars. So he hasn't done anything since Florida State. Yeah, but at this point, I feel like his recruits are just now coming in, and they're finally buying into the program. So Guardian. I don't really feel like they will extend his contract. They might give him a one-year deal, but he won't get a, like a massive extension. Honestly, if he survives. This season, it'll be a shock to me all the way. It's going to be a shock. Are they really buying into the, the program? Because 33-48, 33 for Texas A&M, and uh, they won and won. I think the first week, they didn't really play anybody. And then you jump to this ACC school, which with expectations of you being a, a big SEC school, I expect you to go knock out Miami. But we can say that about our own school, U of H. Like, how did they lose to Rice? Uh, you know, like, come on. Like this is the, like don't get me wrong. I know they came out sputtering against UTSA, and which is expected. You know, the coach. You know he trying to you know get them you know fired up. They started out a little slow, but then they eventually you know got their bearings together, brought out the win. Then you let Rice 
you gave them too too many opportunities to just come back then to lose it in overtime the way they did. Like, oh my god. Let's look at some of the notable stats of this uh, Rice and U of H game. Um, JT Daniels, which is like a what a seven year senior. Right, you just love uh, this He went twenty eight for forty two, four hundred one yards, three TDs, one interception. Um, Donovan Smith for U of H, twenty four for forty two. 260 yards, two TDs, one interception. It's amazing how they threw for the same amount of time. <laughs> 42, 42 apiece. And the other guy, he threw four more passes and he got one more TD, which is not bad. I mean, I guess, you know, considering all things. Uh, the top rushers, uh, Mathis for U of H, eight carries, 60 yards. Cunners for Rice, eight carries, 48 yards. Ooh. They was pretty on, on par for everything. Um, receiving yards, Luke McCaffrey, for Rice, seven receptions, 99 yards, two TDs. There's your problem right there. And then when you look at the U of H side, Brown, nine receptions, 138 yards, no TDs. What a waste of time. All this, all these catches, all these yards with no TDs. You got to get in the end zone. And I feel like that's uh, Houston's number one problem. They got to find a way to get in the end zone, and they need to yeah, they gotta- succeed in the, in the red zone at least. Field goal, something. Like, the passing game is not the issue because we can see that they can spread the ball around. They know how to get the receivers open. They know how to create separation. The problem <laughs> is they're not – the rack yardage is low, and then they have to, you know, find ways to, you know, get the blocks out. You know, line up in trip formations if you have to. You know, do some uh, crossing routes. you got to do something that's going to put the receivers in a – Situation where they can well, create rack not only, yards. Not only the receiver, they, they need to figure out how to put Donovan Smith in a situation where he can succeed and figure things out because uh, week one against UTSA, which is a pretty solid team, he got sacked three or four times. And then coming into this game, um, he got sacked quite a few times as well. And just, just the fact that Rice was up 21-0 in the first quarter and then – the second quarter, they get another touchdown, so that's 28-7 to seven because U of H finally scored, and then U of H, I don't know, eventually they flipped the script in the fourth quarter, not the third, but the fourth, where they put up 21 unanswered points in the second half and held Rice uh, down until overtime. So I don't know what happened, what kind of changes they had as far as coaching, who was calling the plays in the second half, but however they did in the second half, they probably want to run with that going into – the rest of the season because you can't lose to a team like Rice. Rice is a bottom feeder. Now, oh man, not to not to <laughs> put a put a knock on Rice. I didn't even laugh at that. They Rice, have, University. Now, Rice Rice is not the same Rice they have been in the last ten years. Coming from Conference USA now into the American Conference, you could tell that they they're pulling more uh, talented athletes and stuff. You got Luke McCaffrey. You he's uh he's he's. Related to all the McCaffreys, from yeah, so they getting they getting good players, but you know you got to realize once they really get the system in play and they really start you know just executing, I feel like they they can they can be better. I'm not saying that they just gonna be like in the hunt for a Big Twelve championship, but Man, they should at least be seven and five and stuff like that. Let's, let's be real. Let's go ahead and put the fire on Dana Hogerson's seat. You mean put the fire? The fire should have already been ignited. Well, did you not see that game last week? <laughs> did you not? Did you not? Did you not see last year? 
Well, last, last year they went 85. They did win a bowl game. So, but that's not what I'm it, saying. I'm talking about, but in those five games, even the, even the eight even, games they no, won. Even the, even the eight ones, I, I understand. Like, honestly, bro, you didn't know if Houston was going to come out with the win or not throughout last season. Just, you know, right, surprisingly, every, magically, they, they every did. Every game was gut-wrenching. Every game. And it shouldn't be. So, going into this, this next week, uh, week three, Houston faces TCU at home at 7 o'clock. And it's going to be on Fox, so everybody can tune in and watch this one. Uh, TCU will open up this game with a 62.9% chance of winning against U of H, and U of H is left with a 37.1%. Um, Let me tell you why spread, that works about Spread that. on this game is 7.5 points. How do you think that's going to work out after U of H lost to Rice uh, going into this TCU game? Do you think Dana Hogerson bounces back, or do you think it gets worse? Well, me being the U of H fan, I want to say that Holderson is going to bounce back. But in my reality, ever since TCU lost to Colorado in that opening game, they have readjusted everything. You can tell from that win last week. Mm-hmm. U of H needs to go out here, and I hope they working all this week. I hope they working on some new plays, maybe play action, more spread, Something to get the quarterback comfortable in the pocket because right now, like you said, the offensive line has been their struggle, and not only that, on defense, the secondary is the struggle. Yeah. So, those are two major red flags that they need to figure out right. Now, the offensive line, I feel like you can probably figure out faster than the secondary because you can just make a few adjustments here and there, move this person to tackle that was once a guard, move the guard over. Whatever you need to do, if you got to have somebody pulling, run more options, whatever the case may be, it's easier to figure out with the offensive line than the secondary. Yeah. You, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think is problem. the problem is with U of H. Number one problem is oh, it's the that offense. My heart. For Hogerson to be a, a, a one of the, the first people to be, you know, part of the invention of the, the air raid, I think. Really? Yeah, he was part of the air raid. Um, and That's a fun fact I didn't know. For them to come together and put this system together for U of H, the number one problem that, and I looked at all the U of H teams over the past tw- 20 years. Yeah, because we know it's not recruiting. We know it's not recruiting. Do you see how slow the offense moves when, yes. they, when they get get into action? Yeah. And I, 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 I watched them against Rice, and I see Donovan Smith. He, he go up. He line up and then they do an audible. He looks to the sideline and then, you know, he points out whatever he needs to point out at the uh, offensive line. And then when they run a play, you know what they run? A fucking draw. They run a fucking draw, bro. Right from there, I said, bro, you you tell me you got to do all these uh, adjustments and do all that at the line just to run a draw down down the middle. Because honestly, they should be running a no huddle. They they bro, they should be running a no huddle nonstop. If they was doing that, they could have beat Rice. Yeah, Rice was Rice because was they hands, was they had they had the they had they secondary on on the back end because they were just killing them across the middle. Yeah, they was killing them across and the middle. It's like, the man, tight end came into play. Everything was going their way, but they was too slow to get back to the line of scrimmage. They were they weren't running out of bounds when they were supposed to because he had a couple of plays where he would do a couple of passes to get them out of bounds. They wasn't even going out of bounds. They're trying to fight. This is not the time for you to fight for yardage now. Yeah. This is the time for you to actually get out of bounds. And it's like, what are, what are y'all really doing? Are, are you trying to save time for Rice? Or 
or well, I won't say save time for Rice. Are you trying to run the clock out and just play for overtime? Or are you trying to really win the game? Because in the fourth quarter, I feel like they were just trying to play for overtime. After they had got close to tying the game up, they, they decided to tie the game up the last minute. I guess that goes to show they don't trust their defense. Well, which well, is that's, that's it's the second year of the defense looking suspect. First game, you know, against UTSA, they looked all right. They looked pretty stout. Exactly. Now, in this game, it's like, man, what what's really going on? You letting Rice put up points like that? So, when you look at this TCU and U of H game, man, you, you kind of got to – you got to ride with TCU. I hate to say that, but – well, the fact is they only got 62%. So, that gives me a glimmer of hope that maybe – That U of H could do something. That could do something. You know, that could probably just be a sliding upset. Now, if it was anything above – like, if it was like 75, then, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't – I'm, I'm going to tell you another thing that I think that really occurred. When Rice played Texas last week, they already knew they was going to lose that game. So, Rice went out there and they showed base offense, base defense. So, it's like, why even give away all our good stuff? Because, honestly, we don't have the talent to really beat Texas. Yeah. You know, but they did good with what they had. They they held Texas down, I think, shit. Man, the, that, first, the first half. The first half was pretty good. The first half. The second good. half, yeah. They didn't start putting in anybody. In the yeah. Because they knew they, would, they wasn't going to, you know, catch up. And there's no sense in risking injury at this right. point. So let's right. just go in. Let's just play around with the That's offensive it. line, play with the running back, see what we got. Mm-hmm. And then we can just see. And then next week, we can expect actually execute all the plays we want to and it and showed and that's what they and did it showed. it showed and so now you gotta ask yourself was U of H just overlooking Rice and looking forward to TCU I hope not because that's their first Big 12 game they can't overlook anyone right now well anyone I, yeah after losing to Rice you definitely can't no no I'm talking about just in general because they gotta understand the Big 10 is new for them so you don't really Big know 12. what your I mean Big Twelve is new for them. So they don't really know what they up against. Because that if that's the case, and that means they're gonna try to look they're gonna try to overlook West Virginia. They're gonna try to but overlook see, Kansas State. I don't I don't think they'll overlook any anybody Big Twelve. I think they was just looking forward to playing in the Big Twelve so much they overlook Rice because they have they've beaten Rice in the Bayou Bucket seven times straight. Okay. So well. they they thought it was gonna be an automatic win. And now I think they was just looking to TCU because they're like, oh, we get to play TCU finally. I don't think they played TCU since the the Houston Bowl or Texas Bowl or whatever, and they lost. Okay. Years ago. So now they get to play them again, and they're looking forward to it. Now, if Houston go out here and win, then that's what they that's what they was doing. They was looking forward to being TCU. But then the question is, do you overlook uh, Sam Houston the next week, and you look forward to your next Big Twelve opponent, or do you focus on Sam Houston? And you beat them at home. So now that we're sitting at three and one going into the next Big Twelve game. But they gotta understand they're not they're not pros or and it's not high school. Every game in college counts. Right, right. Every game. So you can't overlook anybody. Like the only time you take your foot off their neck is in the fourth quarter when you up by a substantial amount. If you up by five touchdowns, then you can like take, you know what I'm saying, you can take the training wheels. I mean, you can just put the training wheels back on and just sit down. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no. Because, number one, yeah, kudos for them coming back in the in the Rice game. You know, they was down 28-7. But the fact is, when you had a chance to actually put them away in the fourth quarter, you slowed up and, and let them take look, over. I'll even say this. 
what they did in the, in the uh, second half was great. It also goes to show that they could have shut this Rice team out if they came into the first half playing fast like they did in the second half. They could have beat Rice. So that goes to show they, they started slow and they overlooked Rice. And Rice came out there ready, gunning. True. And looking at Rice now, you know who they play next week? Who? TSU. Man. Now, but I feel like TSU might give them a game. I don't think so. Because they they always they always try to play up to their competition. They didn't play up last week. You know, well, you know when no, they lost to Toledo? They lost to Toledo? 71-3. Oh, man. So you really think they're going to play up to Rice? Oh. I doubt it. Oh. Hopefully, hopefully oh. that TSU does come out looking better. I expected TSU to be a better football team this year, especially after they lost to uh, Prairie View. Because I was looking at their PV game, and they they have they have the dub in their pocket. But I think the the one thing about TSU, their biggest issue is probably going to be coaching more than the talent on the field. I think it's the coaching because they just do well, some I've, head scratchers. I've never heard anything bad about their coaching. I've heard more things as far as like just trying to get in a solid recruiting class because you got to realize you have too many other schools around them that absorbs a lot of, you know, of their quality players, especially in the Houston metropolitan area. You know, if they got a chance, you know, U of H is always going to be a better chance, especially off in the full ride. Well, yeah, but you got people. If you want to go to HBCU, TSU and PV is not bad options at all. And, um, Neither neither one of the schools is really anything bad about it. I would say PV is probably, they probably can offer you a little bit better as far as amenities now since they're part of the A&M system. And I, I think that's the one thing that separates the two. I think TSU probably needs to join U of H system and, and get some of that money so they can really make true improvements. Have an a on-site or you know on-campus stadium and things like that. Instead of having fans travel to BVA Compass or what is it called Shell Shell Energy Stadium now, or whatever. They changed the name again. Yeah. Oh my God. So, you know, it, I think I think that's the problem with TSU. They need to figure out ways to make everything happen more on campus, uh, keep their students on campus, and just improving the athletic department because the basketball team be you know does pretty good every year. But if they can improve on that football side, TSU will be okay. Uh, PV next week, they play SMU. There'll be another L for PV after they just lost to Abilene Christian, which I actually thought that they was going to probably come out of there with the victory, them being at home, and it's their home opener. They lost 45-16, which is not good at all. Damn. Uh, going into SMU, you know, they're going to... Yeah, you know, SMU, right? Yeah, they're going to... They always... They're going to definitely... Southern Methodists always find a way. And SMU actually had played Oklahoma uh, this previous week, and they lost. So you know they looking for they another looking win. For, yeah, they looking for some revenge. Hey, I'm, I'd be scared to play Oklahoma this year. And um, hey, wait a minute, U of H don't play Oklahoma this year, do they? No. Oh, thank God. Only UT. Oh, thank God. Um, and then you got ACU, Houston Christian University. They're facing off against UT Martin. Let's go. Um, Let's go, ACU. ACU did lose to Western Kentucky, as predicted, 52-22. to 22. I, They put up 22, though. They did put up 22. They put up uh, 22. So that shows me that their offense is making improvements. They still got to cut down on the turnovers, but it's going to happen with time. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, if you look at their stats, man, they, they really didn't play so bad. They didn't allow a whole bunch of sacks and things like that, you know, things that you would expect. Um, we thought that they was going to get beat down like how they beat beat down on Arkansas Baptist, but man, it, 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 it was pretty solid. Yeah. It was actually pretty solid. So, looking at week three, we got some pretty good matchups uh, for week three of college football. Okay, so we got Wyoming and UT playing. Uh, UT will be at home now. You can overlook this game, but <laughs> Wyoming 2 0, UT 2 0. Wyoming funny. did beat. They did beat Texas Tech at home. Man. Tech is a solid game. And you know what? We, we forgot to cover that one on week two. Oregon did pull off that win against Texas Tech, but it was a it was a hard fight, bro. Long it was fight. a hard fight. So that's that just goes to show what kind of team Wyoming might be. And what if Wyoming somehow go into UT and knock them off? Everybody gonna be like, dang. Texas beat Bama, and then Wyoming beat Texas? Yeah, I don't see that one. But I will give Wyoming credit. They have been on a recruiting tear over the past 10 years. They've been finding, like, low-key diamonds in the rough. Now, you want to know the line on it, though? What's the line? 30 points. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't I, see 30 points. I, if I was a big man, I'd take that 30. Because they're not going to cover that. They yeah, they, they, they Texas not is not cover. covering that. They're not covering 30. I just don't see it. Especially after, like I said, after what we've seen out of uh, but, Wyoming. But think about it. Texas hasn't even really been putting up a lot of points this season anyway. They haven't. So, they you haven't. know, for but them. It also could just mean that maybe either UT offense is not that great, but it's got to be good enough. They beat yeah. Bama. Bama always put out a good defense. And they always put out a great offensive system too. Yeah. So, we know it's not the quarterback. The offensive line should be just stellar at this point. It's gotta be. It's gotta be something in the trenches. It's gotta be maybe the run game because they got they, receivers. They don't, they don't really have a dominant running back this year. To be totally honest, they don't really have a house. Yeah, not back. not that Bijan is gone. Yeah, um, Colorado will face off against Colorado State. Mm-hmm. Deion Sanders looked to go three and zero after That's beating Nebraska be, last week. That's gonna be an easy win. Spread twenty three. I think mm-hmm. I think it'll happen. So you think they're gonna be Colorado State by twenty three? Yeah. Cause you know what? Why is everyone just so against Coach Prime this year? Like, huh? what is like you know? Everybody mad at the way he comes to the the uh, media days. Talking about he got hats and sunglasses on. Everybody don't like the way he didn't change up the the captain format like. You know, D is for dogs, like and for leader. I like that though. Like, why is everybody so mad at his cro- coaching approach? If you don't, if you don't like it, then hey, change something at your program that stands out to get your team ready to win. Because that's what he's doing, and that's all that he's doing. Yeah, I, I like what he's doing out there, man. He he changing the culture. Hell, he he pretty much changing Colorado into HBCU. Why why you playing? Um, LSU will face off against Mississippi State. Mississippi State is 2-0. LSU 1-1. That's going to be a good matchup. They did lose to Florida State week one, but they beat Grambling last week, which is an easy victory. Spread of 9.5 points going into LSU's favor. I like what the mad scientist predecessor is doing out there. He is inspiring them kids. They doing it for Coach Leach. They are actually buying into the system that Coach Leach Left his legacy, that t- that game right there might shock LSU. 
I think Mississippi State might pull that one off. It's gonna it's gonna be horrifying for the the LSU uh, fan base because for them to open up as a top ranked team and then make a, another slide against another big big uh, power four team or power five currently right now, yeah, if they lose yeah, to Mississippi State, that's not good, man. That's that's really not good. Well, but the good thing about the SEC, that's one thing I can honestly say. If you lose early, it's better to lose early in college football than to lose late. Mm-hmm. So even if they do lose to Mississippi State, they have so many other opportunities. Ole Miss, Alabama, Auburn. They have so many other ways to catch back up and put themselves ahead. Texas A&M. You know, they have so many opportunities to go ahead just like that and just get right back into the bowl race. But they got to beat those teams going down the stretch. Right now, if Mississippi State come out and shock them, they got two wins. I mean, they got two losses. They can easily come back and still pick up a majority of wins. Now, that's one coach that needs to be on the hot seat too, though. LSU coach? Yeah, Brian Kelly don't look like he a good fit. Yeah, especially if they lose lose this game, like you're saying. I think this is actually a must-win for him. He he got to take care of his business, bro. He got to. Okay. We're going to see. But it's, I don't see it. You know, it's really not a lot of heavy hitters as far as games this week, but this Washington Huskies versus Michigan State Spartan game might be pretty good. Yeah, because they got that interim coach right now while Mel Tucker suspended. And then both of these teams are 2-0. But the line is 16.5 points going towards Washington. Do you see an upset somehow possibly? The Washington Huskies? Yeah. Oh, no. No. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't think, you think they're going to lose? Washington yeah. pretty good, bro. Man, Washington ain't been good since Jake Brown, and he let me down in that <laughs> national championship game. That boy was out there looking like a little kid against grown men against Alabama. And they ain't never been the same. They never recovered from that loss. They've been bottom feeders ever since. Well, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the Pac-12 uh, team Pac-2. Pack two. Pack two. The problem with the Pack two is that all their teams, the, the players that they recruit, come most of them come off the West Coast. And then the ones that they do get that's from like the South or whatever, they always get them like skill positions. They need some big dogs in the down low in the middle, bro. That's why they've been going to Hawaii getting all them Samoans. They ain't big enough. They not big enough. Nah. What? What's big enough Samoans? They not. What's big enough Samoans? Uh, who did watch them? Didn't they play like Alabama or something like that one year, or Georgia or something like that? Well, what you talking? You talking about Washington? Yeah, yeah, they played Alabama. I don't know. Uh, I ain't never. So, that. I'm just saying, and I think I seen them play a couple SEC schools, SEC schools, you know, on uh, a different couple years, and every time the problem is size. Problem is size. And if you look at it, I'm going to be honest, man. Even them, them Big Ten schools, they really ain't got enough size, bro. Like, outside of, like, the – the now, they get some nice size running backs and stuff. But when it comes down to, like, them D-tackles and them D-ends and stuff against them, them corn-fed uh, SEC schools, offensive linemen, they get yeah, dogged out, bro. I don't know. And that's, that's, that's why, it's, that's why I don't SEC – know. Hey, Michigan, they, they put out – like, no, the, the Big Ten – has put out some very elite, like, defensive players. Look, look, look. You got the Bosa boys. You got Aiden Hutchinson. You got, like, they, well, they, they, they put like, out nice D-linemen. 
one player though. It'd be one player. SEC, they probably had like two of them kind of dudes. On like you mind. got Chase Youngs out there. You got all them players that dominated in the Big Ten. They do dominate, but they dominate as one individual. They don't. It don't be them and somebody else. Like if you look at like Bama or Georgia, it be them and somebody else. Got, you know, you got like, bro, Carter, them you schools got are factories, bro. Yeah. <laughs> they some factories, bro. Uh, the one last game I want to kind of look at, it might be pretty good, is Tennessee and Florida. That is going to be good. I feel like Florida has been very up and down over the past couple of years. I can't really say, like, they are, like, coming back, but they are on the cusp of really just, you know, Getting over the hump because mm-hmm. it's like it took them a while to really just find their predecessor as an Urban Meyer. You know, they've been going at the coach after coach, and then you know, their recruitment has been going down. And now that everything is starting to come back on the up and up, they're finally just like you know, they're not getting talked about as they should be, but mm-hmm. they are good enough to where like they can at least give you seven to eight wins, maybe nine a season now. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and lean towards Tennessee on this one. I know the, the line is going for Tennessee as well, six and a half, but looking at what Tennessee did last year and looking at them this year at 2-0, and I think Tennessee is still on the right track to succeed this, until the latter lost, part of the season. Tennessee lost a lot of people in the draft, though. They did. That's why I said to the latter part of the season. But I think their recruitment class was very good over the – Past couple of they, years, they, so, they, they, so they might have, so they like might have a lot of good freshmen and sophomores that's coming up into their little pipeline, and that's why I say once again, you hit the nail right on the head. If you can get a chance to go to a school in the SEC, and if you want to go to Alabama and you can't get in because you know they already fulfilled all their recruitments or they all their scholarships run out, you still got Tennessee, Auburn. You have so many opportunities. In the SEC to succeed. Yeah. So, transitioning into the NFL. Uh, oh, this ought to be good. First, I'm going to go ahead and look at my Houston Texans. And, oh, here we and go. And we're going to give them. Well, he started it off bad. I'm going to give them the thumbs up on last week. Because, number one, we went into week one <laughs> against a solid. What? You giving them a thumbs up? Yeah. Did we not watch the same game, bro? Bro, the Texans played well. Going into a game, number one, they was not expected to win. I didn't expect the Texans to beat the Ravens. We had a a former MVP quarterback, Lamar Jackson, going against us. We played damn well against him. We even forced him to throw an interception. He didn't throw no touchdown passes. Uh, He won 17 for 22, 169 yards. So that's pretty solid defense. Now looking at the other side, our rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, went 28 for 44, 242. No turnovers. Nope. Well, he did. He had a fumble, but it it was like a last couple minutes fumble. It really didn't matter. But he didn't throw no picks. So, I will I will say this about C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud looked poised in the pocket when he was flushed out. He was trying to make plays with his arm and his leg. He hey, I don't know what it is about these rookies. Why are they not teaching these rookies to slide? I saw him go head first in a lot of plays that he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. He needs to learn how to slide. And number two, his accuracy was actually on point as far as like when he was coming out of the pocket. On and then I'm trying to figure out why y'all run so many play action plays. That was well, not working. 
I think the play action came into to play uh, because of the offensive line. If you look at the offensive line, C.J. Stroud was pretty much running for his life, especially in the second half. The first half, he was looking pretty solid. Yeah. It took him a while to – I'm going to be honest. The first, the first quarter, he didn't look like he was comfortable. He still had the bubble guts. Second quarter, he finally had got everything down. He was comfortable. He was pretty poised in the pocket, accurate, finding um, finding Robert Woods, and then he started finding um, – what's my boy? Uh, Collins. And Tank Dell, too. Tank Dell, yep. Tank nah. Dell got a couple. I think Tank Dell probably ended up with about four, four receptions. I don't know. I actually picked, I actually had to pick Robert Woods up on my fantasy because he done became like a little good little safety net. Yeah. Because like he, he was he. You can tell he worked with C.J. Stroud the most. Him and Tank Dell. Mm-hmm. Nico Collins, like I believe Nico Collins is gonna be good. I just feel like he's more of a red zone deep threat. But y'all didn't get to the red but, zone enough. Well, when we did, I feel like the play calling became questionable. But you know what? Nico was the leading receiver, though. He had six receptions for 80 yards. So, tell me this. Y'all run a West Coast offense, right? Pretty much. That's what 49ers ran. Okay. So, no, because I'm just trying to see, like, what the offense coordinator, like, what he's really, you know, doing as far as, like, his development. Is C.J. Stroud moving in the right direction? Yes. Do do they need to work with the offensive line more? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Because the defense wasn't an issue. The defense just got no, tired. The defense, the defense, <laughs> the defense played got good. tired. Yeah, they, they got tired. But they was never really on the field too long either, though. Yeah. So It wasn't like a thousand three and outs. I mean, but because you look, at, time. you look at the first half, they wanted to have time. The score was 7-6 Baltimore. So you, you put your team in a, in a real, real good position. And now when you open up the third quarter, I think Baltimore made some changes that – Houston wasn't ready for it because they opened up the third quarter with 15 points scored unanswered. And um, what's your offensive coordinator, Sikowitz or? Slowick. Slowick. My, my bad. So they need to find a way to incorporate the running backs more. Yeah, because Damian Pierce, he only had 11 carries for 38 yards. And then. Uh, but they didn't use Singletary hardly yeah, at all. They didn't, they didn't use Singletary at all. And they put their boom dude in a couple times. Uh, like for some little, you know, little scat, little pass plays in the back. But that's what you got. But that's what you had Singletary for. So I think this coming into week two, I need to see them find more ways to implement Singletary into the offense and just hand the ball off more to Damian Pierce to get the passing game actually going so they can open up some of them passing lanes. Because what I did notice that the offensive line is better at run blocking than pass protection. Oh, yeah. So that could be a key component. Because I understand why y'all was going with the play action. It's just the fact that Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen would just eat that shit up. Mm-hmm. They were, because you think you block it. You trying to block one, the next thing you know, the other linebacker just coming through. Baltimore won the trenches every which way. and But the good thing is, though, the Texans secondary looked very good. Because Odell didn't get nothing. Well, he did in the latter part of the game. Yeah, I got what, one catch? But you know what? I, I actually thought Odell was going to open up the, the season and, and do pretty good because, well, he hasn't played in, like, what, a, se- a year and a half or yeah. something like that? So with all the, the speculations about him coming into this year, talking about he might be hurt still and 
all those things. I thought Odell was going to go out there and really just prove everybody wrong. But think about it like this, though. They never gave up anything over the top. Zay Flowers was pretty much contained. Odell was pretty much, they just, they couldn't, they had to use him in a decoy at one point. I won't say Zay Flowers was contained because he he still got 78 yards receiving. But the point is, though, it wasn't no deep explosive bombs and none of that kind of stuff. It wasn't. It it was the screen. It was was just basically My thing about that is like, D'Amico Ryans and I, I can't remember our defensive coordinator name, but they got to make adjustments, bro. Like, they, the Ravens ran that screen, the same receiver screen, damn near every drive they, you know, every yeah. drive they, every time they touched the ball, they at least ran that screen. And I would say mostly on third downs. And it was always the Zay Flowers. And it was the same screen. It was either on the left side of the field or right, or the right side. side. That was it. And, and they just kept doing it. And they was, Basically winning every time, and I think that's that's what pretty much beat the Texans in in that game. That screen, but see, that's when you supposed to have people like Jimmy Ward. That's when you supposed to have Jimmy. Jimmy, to, Jimmy Ward like, was hurt. Jimmy Ward was hurt, and oh yeah, Petrie got hurt. He got a chest injury, so he probably won't be back for the Coast game. Uh, and that's gonna be a tough. So that's gonna hurt too. our DBs because you you pretty much took out the QB of the. Of the DBs, you know what I'm saying, for your corners and stuff. Um, as far as inside, though, I'll say Denzel Perryman, he played his ass off. Uh, also, just looking at all the rookies for the Texans played good, man. Uh, looking at Will Anderson, he had a sack. He had six uh, pressures. Six hurt. pressures. Ooh. Ooh. So, you talking okay. about a rookie, a rookie DN coming in, six pressures. Oh, and then Jonathan Grenard, he even got a sack as well. Christian Harris, he had a sack. So all the young players, they made plays. Uh, and Denzel Perriman, I see him all over the field making stops. So, like we said, man, defense looked good. Stingley, I didn't see him give up anything. He, he played yeah, pretty I, solid. Yeah, he played good. Uh, Petrie, played. Petrie was tearing Lamar Jackson ass up until he got hurt. Like, that, I think, and you know what? I think that's really what changed the game. Jalen Petrie being out. I think kind of opened it up for Baltimore to really just... Yeah, because it changed their blitz packages. Yeah. Took some pressure off of uh, Lamar, for sure. So, going into this Colts game, the Texans are actually favored to win this game, which is surprising. Um, It's going to be... I feel like this is going to be the only game of the season for them, besides maybe the Titans, where the Texans can actually have a chance to actually just... Show their offensive, you know, show their offensive structure at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, just see where it's going in the development process. Because we can tell from week one, the defense is not the issue. The mm-hmm. defense is going to keep them in games, but can the offense put up more points besides just field goals? Yeah, and, and that's, that's the problem with the Texans, and that's my problem with uh, C.J. Stroud at this point. I have yet to really see him get in the end zone and throw touchdowns. Besides the preseason game against the Saints, and, I, and that's that's what I think. Once he gets in the end zone, you can't be mad at him right now. You can't be mad at no, him. No, I'm not. I'm not mad at him, and it, it's probably really not even him. It's the offensive coordinator with the play call. Nah, it's like you got look. One thing I know for sure, just just from looking at the NFL over the years. Everything up front is always starts with the trenches. Naomi Tunsil, too many penalties, too many boneheaded plays, 
Except that, phantom, except that phantom holding or whatever they call oh, it. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, that, now that play really upset me. That play, because like, that's the play when he rolled out and he made that uh, yeah. pass picture. When he rolled and to the call, And they call it uh, holding. Yeah. And he didn't even hold. So, you know, but that wasn't his only penalty. That's true. That, like, he didn't get, now, he didn't give up any sacks, but he did have a lot of, you know, things where, like, you are the leader of the offensive line. You should be the main one keeping everybody else in check as far as, like, you know, what to do, when to pull, what, you know, what's going on. The right side of the line is terrible. Yeah, especially after uh, Funt went down. Yeah. And then they um, they had put, what's his name, Demeter, some, however you say his name. They had moved him from inside because he played, like, center and guard. And they yeah. moved him to right tackle. Man, that first play, he got tore up. Man, even even on that even on that fourth and two play when they went forward in the first half, like oh my god, the offensive line looked like they didn't even know what the play was because soon as he said hut and he came back, Patrick Queen is already back there. Yeah, I think and I think a lot of the problems is that they had a lot of people playing out of position. Like yeah, I said, bro. they, they put Demeter they need to find at right position, tackle man. and he's not a right tackle; he's a guard Ooh. or a center. I think originally a center, so. You expect him to swing out and try to stop somebody that's pass rushing, that's pretty good at it too. Yeah, he's gonna have a, a hell of a hard time. But uh, going into this Colts game, I really don't foresee their defense being a big problem for the Texans. No. But I do see that Anthony Richardson is gonna be trying to scramble a lot. But that might be a good thing because we just seen Lamar Jackson, and nobody really does it better than him as far as scrambling. And uh, you got you got a big rookie quarterback coming out here, he's going to make some mistakes. And that can really fall in the Texans' favor. Look, I'm going to tell you like this. If the Texans offensive line can block DeForest Buckner and they can actually come up with some plays where he can get the ball out quick, because he wasn't getting the ball out quick either. He was holding on to it a little bit too long. <laughs> if he can get the ball out quicker, run some, you know, run some screens, involve Devin Singletary, because they what they were doing with Robert Woods, you know, getting the ball to him across the middle, get the like get the tight end involved, like you you picked him up. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it Dalton Schultz, right? Yeah, Schultz. Yeah, you picked him up, you know, like bam, get him, like get him involved. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. needs to learn to throw the ball away too. Dear God, he, well, he needs to learn how to throw the ball away, but he also needs to learn how to hit people on the run. Because I want to say, yeah, in the second half. Going down into halftime, it's like two minutes left. He had a couple couple plays where he just let the ball get away from him. Yeah. And I was like, damn, Stry, what are you doing? And I think if we had somebody that was like a more veteran-like quarterback, he would have completed those passes. Well, I, I told you from the beginning of the season, I feel like he shouldn't start until maybe like week six or seven. I would let Case Keenum go out there and take – because you want to see what the offensive line is first. Yeah. Not to say that, you know, they're just terrible by any means, but you want to see where they're at first before you put C.J. Stroud out there. But I understand you want to, you know, get him out there, let him get over his little, you know, first game jitters or whatever and just see. And he needs the reps. And he did. He he needs the reps because in the preseason, he really didn't get him as he should have. And you already know the quarterback behind him is is just just not the answer. Yeah, Davis Mills. Yes. Yeah, he's not like, I'm so actually surprised he didn't get But, that. you know what? When In the first quarter, when C.J. Stroud was looking uncomfortable and stuff like that, I was like, man, they might as well just put Mills in the game because he wasn't looking too good. But then 
he finally settled down and he started to you know show why he was taken with number two overall. Yeah. So uh, I, I see I see a lot of um, good things about Stroud. Hopefully he comes into week two already comfortable and they start fast and I think they'll beat the Colts. How many points you think they gonna put up this week? Be real, be honest, because the Colts defense didn't look good. Um, let's see, the over under is thirty nine. I could see Texans getting about twenty four points. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, I was gonna say maybe like seventeen twenty because I feel like they really gonna put up touchdowns, but I feel like it's gonna be more rushing touchdowns than passing. If he does get, if he does get a passing touchdown. I feel like it'll come off a screen, but I think I think this week he will at least get one passing touchdown, and then the other touchdown will be a rushing touchdown, like you said for sure. And then the other points will probably combine from field goals. Yeah. So looking at to the uh, previous week as well, week one, let's just look at some of the games in review. Lions beat the Chiefs twenty-one twenty. Yeah. Jared Goff played his ass off. Two and zero. Two and zero against Patrick. Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes need receivers. And I think they'll be one of the first teams in the NFL to be trying to trade for well, a new target. They had all season. They passed on D-Hop. They let Juju Smith-Schuster walk. They drafted Sky Moore. They just was gun-ho all about Kadarius Tony. So don't I don't want to hear all of that, oh, we need receivers now. Kadarius Tony looked horrible. I, How many drop passes he had? Like four. Yeah, he had too many for my for my <laughs> liking. Man, that but but that pick. Oh my, that pick was horrible. And then the fact that he showed no effort when chasing down Branch. And then in the fourth quarter, on fourth and twenty five, and they threw it to him, and he just like, oh my god, like just crazy, just crazy. But uh, no, go ahead. What'd you say? A lot of them passes, you know. They wasn't really just on the money, but they no. were catchable. Look, Mahomes, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the receivers, but Mahomes really didn't throw too many good passes in that he game. He didn't. He didn't. Because that one the Sky Moore was way behind him. That's why he missed he that. Either, he was either throwing them behind him or too high. Yeah, Travis Kelsey used to catching all that stuff, making them look good. But yeah. you got to realize, you just you just got these receivers on the team. They got to adjust to that. Right. You don't have Nicole Harmon anymore. You know, but look though, it's a miracle now. Now all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey gonna be healthy playing against the number one oh, team in the oh, AFC South. Not only, not only is he gonna be healthy, but you know who else is coming back this week? Oh, Chris Jones got Chris the Jones. Yeah, now, Chris now, now all of a sudden, they miraculously got the bread, the band playing against the number one team in the AFC South. You know, led by Trevor Lawrence and the real Josh Allen, not the fake one in Buffalo. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, again. okay. Number one thing. Yeah, we'll yeah. see about that. Hey, it, it is what it is. Last time I checked, I think they the only team in the division with a win. That's I true. I think so. I That's think so. True. That's true. I yeah, even, that. even though we did play against a team that y'all finna play this weekend, you know, but yeah, so I we, didn't want to throw so that we'll, out there. So we'll get to see how, how good y'all are versus the Texans, you know, when we take off against these Colts. But uh, in the NFC South, they had the Falcons and Panthers. I want to highlight this game because it was Bryce Young's first game, and he went out there. Uh, through 146 yards, one TD, two picks. Um, what do you think about Bryce Young? He needs some time to develop. And don't get me wrong, Frank Wright is the right coach for him. Mm-hmm. Look what look what he's done with Andrew Luck. Look what he has done with just you know 
the offensive mindset that he had with the Eagles and everything else. He has the right coach. He has the right weapons. Well, I don't know about weapons now because Adam Thielen is, you know, past his prime, yeah, but he, he, he still he still can be a good safety net for what they're trying to accomplish. That he still needs a receiver that can go over the top. You know, the run game is, you know, I like I like Chuba hurt. I, I like Chuba. I like what he can bring to the table. The offensive line, hey, they they drafted some monsters last year. They plugged up a couple of holes this year. But it's just he just got a lot of jitters out there. And then the thing is, they played against a team that is in the same situation they in. Yeah, and surprisingly, uh, Algier for Atlanta, he actually had 15 carries, 75 yards, two TDs. Where was Bijan in that game? Oh, he was on the field. Don't get it twisted. Bijan was on the field. You didn't see that nasty little juke where that boy juked somebody and ran through two defenders and scored that touchdown? He was there, my friends. He <laughs> was there. Yeah, so wrapping that up, 24-10, Falcons got the dub. Um now, this is another good game, Well, was supposed to be. Mr. $50 million man, he did not show up in this uh, Bengals and Browns matchup. 24-3, Browns got the W. Um, Joe Burrow is hurt. That's hurt. all I need to say. Joe yeah. Burrow is still suffering from that leg injury. He just went out there because he's got $275 million. Yeah, he, yeah. He yeah. did not look no, good at all. I think all. what really happened is that the Cleveland Browns took Jamar Chase's trash talk personally. They did. I would be offended too if somebody called me the Cleveland Elves. <laughs> well, Deshaun, he he did okay, I guess. Nah, 154 he yards. Look, he didn't look good. Either. One TV. One Just keep running the ball, Nick Chubb. You did great. Nick Just Chubb keep did running do the great. ball. Just keep running the ball. 18 carries, 106. They don't honestly. All they need Deshaun Watson to do now is not turn the ball over. Just, you know. Do you do you think. Uh, he shouldn't get more than tw- 15 to 20 passes a game. Do you think Deshaun at this point of his career after returning from um, his hiatus. <laughs> uh, do you think he's going to be a, a game manager? Yes. You don't think he'll ever be the same? He is the new Seneca Wallace. Wow. That's pretty low. No, it's not. Seneca Wallace wasn't bad, but he, he wasn't, wasn't great, great either. He wasn't great. And that's what Deshaun Watson did. Well, Let me tell you something. Because when we had Deshaun Watson, he was great. The Deshaun Watson they have, oh, man, he's everything but a football player. And we can't call him what they call him because this is a publicly syndicated talk show. So we can't call him what they call him. Hey. But what what they call him is not positive and is not meant to be heard by little children. Hey, looking at some of the, the new quarterbacks uh, in New Jersey's debuts, Derek Carr got a victory, 16-15 against the Tennessee Titans. Mm. Also, they didn't look good. <laughs> they did not look good. Come on, bro. Like, we can sit here and talk about you know, everybody was, oh, Derek Carr going to be this, Derek Carr going to be that. I can tell you what he was. He wasn't good. So that lets me know, did the Raiders make the right choice? Well, you ask me, the Raiders did. Because Garoppolo went out there and got a W, too. 
Two hundred yards, two TDs, one pick. Oh yeah, he gonna throw. That's another, that's another quarterback with a great debut. Hey, so if Jimmy Garoppolo can maintain this, the Raiders might actually be a decent team because Jacoby Myers look good. He is a nice compliment to Devontae Adams. Yeah, speaking of Myers, bro, he he went out there nine receptions, eighty-one yards, two TDs. So he he was showing up. Uh, even though it was a close game, 17-16, the Raiders still found a way to win, and I think that's the one difference about this Raiders team going into the season already. They're finding ways to win the game. Yeah, because they always hype up that Broncos defense, and oh, they got the best shutdown corner in the league with Patrick Sertain the second, and they got all this safety help, and man, look, yeah. y'all done paid all that money, and so, y'all still losing to a team that, that is projected to win six games? Stop it. And Broncos ride my ass. And it goes into question, what did Sean Payton really change? Well, he changed the dynamic that Russell Wilson is broken. He didn't look great, but he is showing his age. Russell Wilson looks like a 34-year-old quarterback out there playing against them young kids. Because <laughs> he out there getting manhandled well, still. You know what? This is the quarterback who has the number one debut out of all the new quarterbacks or uh, first-time starters. Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love. Oh. His. his <laughs> uh, yeah, Jordan Love, bro. 245 yards, three TDs, no interceptions, no turnovers. That's pretty solid delivering an opener against Chicago. 38-20 win. They blew him out. They took care of a, a old-time rivalry. Uh Justin Fields, I'm starting to nah, question his. No, nah, I just feel bad for Justin Fields. They need to go ahead, cut Chase Claypool trash. He's a bum. He's a bum. <laughs> a bum. What happened to Claypool? I don't know. Maybe he was just good in that system in Pittsburgh, but what he's doing right now in Chicago, hey, he ain't. he is not safe on the streets. He's not safe. They need to just go ahead. Matter of fact, trade him to Kansas City. They'll give you a second-round draft pick for him. That might revive his career. Man, they need something because he's not it. DJ Moore look good, but that other guy? <laughs> no, no. Let's look at some of the other games. 49ers win 30-7 to against the Steelers. Oh, um, you also got... The Eagles beating the Patriots 25-20. That game was actually good. Pretty solid. Jalen Hurts, he, he went out there, played pretty well. Mac Jones played exceptional, 316 yards passing, three TDs. He played better in the second half than he did in that first half. That first half, I was like, man, I think he's a bust. <laughs> I don't know. Not not a bust, but I, I think he's uh he's he's above average quarterback. Man, for he's sure. a game manager. He has finally reached the bracket of Kurt. But, man, here's my AFC player of the week. Tua, 466 yards passing, three TDs, one pick, and a shootout against the Chargers, 36-34 win for the Dolphins. Okay. Okay. You know what my player of the week is? Who? Aaron Rodgers. You know why? Because he found a way 
to make $50 million this year and not play a single game. He played with one snap, huh? That boy played one. That boy played four series, and on the last series, that boy just sat down. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. They had to come back and just tell us he hurt his Achilles because he was walking. Next thing you know, he just on the ground. Well, I'll tell you what. That Jets team is going to be pretty solid this year. Yeah, defense-wise because they caused um, your boy, the fake Josh Allen, because you know the real was in Jacksonville, number 41, in case y'all was wondering. They caused him to throw three picks and one fumble. Yeah, it Ooh. seemed like that linebacker that y'all got was throwing the passes for him. Yeah, Josh Allen, for the Buffalo Bills, you're my bum of the week. I was going to give it to Ryan Tannehill till I saw that Monday night game. But you took the cake, my friend. You took it. Speaking of that Monday night game, forty to zero, Cowboys, man, they look they look totally different on the defensive side. I mean, I think the Giants is supposed to be pretty decent this year, but the, the Cowboys actually made a lot of changes on the, on the defense the Giants, with adding Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, and I think that right that, there, that just right there, just solidified. solidified yeah, yeah, solidified that everything. defense is a. Hey, we always talking about like how good the Eagles look on defense. The Cowboys might have a scarier defense because they can plug and play anybody. They can roam Micah Parsons around. Like, yeah, you can't. because all they really needed was that that extra DB. And now that they got that extra DB and they got uh, some some safety help too. Yeah, because the, the the front seven bro was solid. And for, with that front seven, them DBs. As long as Dak Prescott plays solid and don't turn the ball over. Now, I'm going to be honest. Dak Prescott didn't really play all he that well. He don't have to. He don't have to. All he got to do is manage, let Tony Pollard do his thing. And if you can find a way. Now, you know CeeDee Lamb is going to win most of his one-on-one matchups. If you can exploit and win those and get the ball to him in them one-on-one situations, you good. Mm-hmm. He don't have to force the ball. He don't have to do none of that at all because that defense. Did you see the way the defense was just scoring touchdowns? Like, there was no even point to even watch the second half of the game. Daniel Jones looked confused. Saquon looked lost. The offensive line was ass. Evan Neal was out there just getting beat and slapped around by Micah Parsons. You even had a, a Van Der Esch sighting on defense. And you know that never happens anymore. Like, Trey, Trey Diggs didn't have to do anything. They, they was out there catching picks. Well, let's, were, look, let's just say oh this. Oh, my God. It let's just horrible. say this. This is the best opener for the Cowboys in years. Probably since the last time they won the Super Bowl. That was probably the last time I seen the defense for them this dominant. Yeah. This is the first time I actually seen the Cowboys look dominant. Oh, man. That, man, that was low. Alright, so look, look. Week two. And you know I don't even like the Cowboys, but that was low. Week two, man. Week two. Minnesota and Eagles. Why we gotta start off with this monstrosity? Got the Vikings and Eagles taking on each other. Eagles at home, six six point line spread. Uh do you think the Eagles gonna dominate or do you think it's gonna be closer than what No, the Eagles are gonna dominate. You know why? Because they get to go against the worst quarterback in high-profile games in NFL history. Kirk Cousins. (laughs) I agree with you on that. Do you see how hard Justin Jefferson worked last week and still came up with the L? Like, come on, man. Hey, 
Kirk Cousins work hard too, bro. Yeah, he work hard at making sure he blow the game at every chance he get. <laughs> like I've never seen anybody take pride in just like you know what. I think I'm ready to blow the game for us. Here you go. Look, I got two teams looking for a bounce back. The Vegas and the Buffalo Bills take on each other. Buffalo looking for the bounce back against the Raiders. Then we got the Baltimore Ravens taking on Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals be looking for another bounce back as well. The Bengals going 0-2. You think Bengals going 0-2? Yeah, they going 0-2. Because think about it. They couldn't contain Miles Garrett. They're not going to be able to contain Roquan Smith or Patrick Queen. That's just too many different blitz packages. Oh, you know who else is looking with. good for the Ravens? Who? Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, and there you go. You got another You got another edge rusher. You got a run stopper. You already know Joe Mixon. He not the same high-quality running back that he used to be. Hey, it's going to it's gonna be a defensive matchup. To be honest, I think... For both of them teams, Cincinnati and Buffalo, they really need their star quarterbacks to step up to get the victory this week. Oh, Joe, Joe Burrow's going to have a, a better game than he had last week, but it's not going to turn into a, a win. It's not going to be a win. And you think Josh Allen going to bounce back? Because he threw, what, two or three picks? He threw three. I know I know the bum of the week stats. He, he threw three. He fumbled. <laughs> But um, is he going to bounce back against the Raiders? Possible. Yeah, the, the Raiders defense. I don't. I don't really. Did I don't even know. I don't even know if uh. Did what was the what was the uh, defensive end that was having issues with the Raiders? Did he play? The uh, the UFC uh, champion's brother. No, he did not. Yeah. They need the pass rush from him. I don't really. I don't. I don't, I don't they got I don't a. They, the Raiders got like a no name defense this year. They really do. Like wow. You can't really. Yeah, you can't really name anybody on the Raiders defense. But somehow, I guess they're mediocre or better. You know, to better good enough to get a dub against. Yeah, it's gonna the Broncos. Yeah, it's gonna be funny when uh David and BJ listen to this podcast. They're gonna be like, oh my god, you just. <laughs> You're going in on the Raiders, but no, no. Hey, I want y'all to actually tell us somebody on their defense that's actually notable. Oh, what, no, no, no. What's the other dude? Um, man, I think they got the the, the defensive end on the other side. The uh, the white dude, Crosby. That his name? Yeah, Crosby. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Yeah, that's probably all they got. Yeah, that might be it. They ain't got nothing. Yeah. Oh, Mac. Yeah, you are right. Max Crosby. That is right. Max Crosby. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Look, there you go. We beat y'all to the punch. We named somebody for y'all. Because Lord knows. Yeah, I think the Raiders going down. Yeah, they they might. They might. But but you know what? Tennessee and the Chargers oh, should be a pretty the good Chargers, shootout. The Chargers uh, is blowing them dudes out. Did you not see what we just witnessed? Nah, it's not gonna be a blowout. What? First off, first off, the spread is only three points, and you already know that's because they're professionals. No, no, it's not that. The Titans like to control the game clock. So you know they're going to do a lot on the ground. Okay. And that's how. That's why this game is going to stay close. Now, 45 points, I don't see that for both teams. It's going to be under 45. But close three points, three-point game, yeah. It's going to be a lot of running from, from the Tennessee side, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, what they need to do, they need to go ahead and just throw in Will Levis. That that Ryan Tannehill yeah, experience. That, that is Ryan over. Tannehill is it, really, over. Yeah, that's, that's over. over. He he almost at the end of his career. Almost, he's there. <laughs> Did you not see that game last week? He could sit on. He could he could be a bench warmer slash mentor. Nah, I'm not paying him. <laughs> I'm not paying. Him. But one thing about Tannehill is for sure, he's already selfish because he he don't really want to be a mentor anyway. Yeah, that's why would they need to go ahead and cut him? But uh, he as a matter of fact, he can go to the Jets. He can go to the Jets. He can take over for uh, old Zach Wilson. You don't you don't think they should roll with Zach Wilson? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> no. They gonna trade for somebody quarterback though. I don't know no, who they're gonna be. Look, they can pick up Colt McCoy. They can pick up Cam Newton. Well, I don't know about Cam Newton. Bro, I don't know. You, you Is know, Cam in shape? You know who else uh called them? Don't you dare say Tom Brady. Nuh uh. Who? Uh Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> His agent called the Jets, bro. Real, real talk, bro. <laughs> you know, and 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 I don't want to, I don't want to say this because I actually believe in what Colin Kaepernick stood for, and I, I and I still believe what Colin Kaepernick stood for, but this man has not played in the NFL in seven years. He gotta let it go. He already won his lawsuit. Well, this is my thing about no, Colin. Won't. Why don't he just go play for the XFL? Because that boy wants to the 20, USFL. Because this dude still believes he's worth $20 million a year. No, nah, he's not. Bro. That's in the have He should have went to the CFL, USFL, XFL, something to prove that he still has it. Yeah, and he don't. And he just really he out here believing. My boy. My boy. Nigga like what, 33, 34? Yes. My yeah, boy. My boy's out here like Tim Tebow. That boy really think he still got it. Now, Sir. I will say, since Tebow had a shot, they should have gave Kaepernick Man, a shot. Man, look. I called RG3 before I called Colin Kaepernick. I don't know about all that. <laughs> but, uh, no, San, no, the, the San Francisco 49ers will be taking on the Rams this week. That's a, a good division game. That's a, that's a good matchup. Uh, Especially is, what I saw. Spread is eight points. Uh, Brock Purdy, I expect him to get the win, though. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I never like to count out like Aaron Donald in that defense because they actually showed up against the Seahawks. But I don't know what it is about Brock Purdy, man. I don't know if the script is just perfectly written for this dude or what. Purdy might be the next Brady. Uh, that's the way it's looking. That's the way it's looking. Possibilities, possibilities. Man, because after what he did to... The Steelers defense, and we know the Steelers got a good defense. Cause you got Cam Hayward, you got TJ Watt, you got a rejuvenated Patrick Peterson somewhat. Look, I'm gonna say this. That's a good three o'clock matchup, but the best three o'clock matchup is gonna be Dallas and the New York Jets. No, it's not. No, it's not. You don't think so? So you telling me that Aaron Rodgers is playing? He's not playing. So it's not. But good, when that defense show up on Dallas, we get to see Something different. Because apparently we the, gonna, Gi- the we Giants gonna see, have. We're going to see Dak struggle and that's it. That's it. So if, if Dak struggles, then it goes to show that Dallas is not as really good as we think they are. But the run game is not going to struggle because they're going to win. That, that's the only way they're going to they gonna win through running the ball and short passing routes. I don't know, bro. I don't know. I think only only reason why the Jets will win this game is because Zach Wilson 
we'll probably mess it up. No, it's not a probability. <laughs> it's not a probability. Bro. Hey, look. Like, look I don't look. understand why they didn't get another, like, another, like, veteran. Like, what? They need to call Joe Flacco. They need they, to trade for look, Mike White again. They, Something. They, God, might, they might be calling Houston and asking for Case Keenum. Nah, bro. They need somebody who already know that offense. I think he does know that offense. I think they... Who else? Who else has worked under under him, Nathaniel Hackett? That knows that offense. They need to call. Now I'm not talking about Trevor Simeon. They don't need to get that desperate. They need to find somebody who's worked in that offense and familiar with it. I have no idea, but they better figure it out pretty quick because because oh, uh, Sunday will be here before you know it. And if Zach Wilson get hurt, you're gonna have Randall Cobb out there throwing passes. Shit, Randall Cobb's getting cut. <laughs> Boy, that's Aaron Rodgers' homeboy. He ain't hey, going nowhere. Guess what? If Aaron Rodgers is not playing. <laughs> well, look. The Sunday night game is going to be pretty good. You got Miami and you got the New England Patriots at home. Who at home? New England. Oh, man. Okay, no. Nah, Miami got that. Who, gonna, who, who is stopping the cheetah? Nobody's stopping him. But I think it would actually be a pretty good game just man. because New England is a well-coached team. Let me tell you something. If Tua can find a way to get that deep ball out, it's a wrap. Now, Christian Gonzalez did look good. He looked good against the Eagles because they had him on uh, A.J. Brown. He wasn't shutting him down, but he was breaking up a lot of passes. This is my biggest question for the Patriots. Who are they receivers? For the Patriots? They got... um, Juju Smith-Schuster. I forgot they did pick him up. They have Nelson Aguilar. Mm, he's kind of over the hill now. Do they? Yeah, they do have. They do have Nelson Aguilar. They do have him, I believe. And you know they got Hunter Henry, the tight end. Mm, he's average. He should have been better. They 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 don't have any like major it, receiver weapon. That's why they Smith-Schuster, trying. Smith-Schuster, Smith-Schuster's best. That's why they were trying so hard to get D Hop. That's why I thought D Hop should have went. Because he would have been great in that system. Yeah. Spread three points on that game. Uh, it might actually be three points, or it could be nah, a big. Nah. It could be lopsided. Nah. You think it's gonna be lopsided? The only the only thing that New England don't have to worry about is the run game because Miami has still the weakest run game I've ever seen. Monster is not bad though. No, and that's the, and that's the problem. They actually have good running backs, but whatever Mike McDaniels comes up with, it, it does not involve yeah. a run. That's why I was like, now that I think about it, I see why Dalvin Cook didn't want to go there. But also you kind of got to look at the team. Like, they built for deep threats with a whole bunch of speedy receivers. That's it. I mean, you got Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill. There's, there's no DBs really out there that's going to be able to keep up with them. At all. And, that, and that's and that's what they thrive on. They gonna find a way, no matter what, to, to get them the ball. Yeah. And then um, and they live or die by that. And that's that's they to me that's the only struggle. You know, moving to Monday night, we got a double header, which is pretty impressive. Okay. You got Carolina. Oh, this is impressive. <laughs> you said impressive. <laughs> Wait a minute, how you? Hey, man. No, look. Hey, you no, this, killing me. This, 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 you this killing me. You said impressive. This is why it's impressive because 
why does Carolina get a Monday night game? You tell me. I don't know. Because I want to know why my why my Texans not on there. Uh, wait a minute. Do they have any primetime games this year? No. And you get New Orleans and, and uh, Carolina on Monday night. Yeah. And then you backdoor that with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. That might be the best game. Pittsburgh and Cleveland are not going to be good. I think Deshaun will actually pretty much dominate in that game, even though the spread is two and a half. But Kenny Pickett, I, I need to see some. Kenny Pickett him. don't look good, bro. And and but he made such good strides at the end of the season last year. I thought it would carry. And you got to realize he's working with one of the best coaches in Mike Tomlin. And I'm gonna tell you that part about him and Mike Tomlin. I think him working with Mike Tomlin, um, and Kenny Pickett continuing to struggle. I actually think it's gonna put Mike Tomlin in job. Um, on the hot seat. Oh no, 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 no! They'll get rid of they'll get rid of Kenny Pickett before they get rid of Mike Tomlin. No, not, they not getting rid of a coach that has never had a losing season since he's been in the NFL. No, no, it's Kenny Pickett's fault if that's the case. It's not Mike Tomlin. No, I go in put Mitchell Trubisky in. No, 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 no. I'd rather trade up in the draft and draft Drake May or Caleb Williams. Before I say it's Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. I don't know, bro. Tomlin been there for quite a few years. He's a successful coach, but I think it might be time for a change in Pittsburgh. Wow. I would like, you know what? Hey, look. Wow. Nah, that's, I like like, saying, that's like saying they need a change in New England. Or they need a change in Seattle. Uh, that's a little different. Only only reason I say that is because, well, it, it's the same as far as Seattle, but. New England was a different. They even won so many championships. What's for yeah. What's his name? Uh, damn coach. Who? New England. Uh, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is never going anywhere, bro. And Mike Tomlin shouldn't go anywhere either. He shouldn't. But when was the last time they won anything? Man, man. Wrong for that. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like, let me tell you what. The last time they went to the Super Bowl was what, 2008 against the Packers, and I think the last time they won the Super Bowl was against the Cardinals. Was that 2006? Yes. Wow. It's been a while. And well, you know, but no, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't 2006. I don't think. It could have been. You gotta look that up. When did they? When did they? Cause that. Oh, was it like? What was that? Two thousand like eight or nine? It was like eight or nine. It was okay. like two thousand eight or nine when they beat the Cardinals. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm not knocking Mike Tomlin, but I like to see him in a different color now. I like to see Mike Tomlin in, uh, in college coaching. Nah, he's too good professionally. He is a true think, leader of me. I think if he was a college, that's why he'd be a great college coach. It's a phantom dream, but I like to see Mike Tomlin coaching U of H. <laughs> man, that's a... <laughs> oh, man. Wait a minute. Where is Brian Flores right now? He's a defensive coordinator Is he for... with the Steelers? Or is he with the Vikings? Brian Flores. Where is he at? I'm going to have to look that one up, bro. Because I could have sworn... He's I know, a, I know he's a defensive coordinator, coordinator but I'm like, man. That's, that's a real where are they now? Where is my boy? It's a big question because uh, right, after all those things that went through, you know, as far as him. Um, you know what? Did I, I wonder if 
that stuff ever got resolved? Them lawsuits. Mm, uh, apparently, it worked out. He's a defensive coordinator for the Vikings. Okay. Well, damn. His first game didn't work out. The second one's not going to work out either. Yeah. Well, transitioning out of NFL, got a little MLB uh, talk. Houston Astros, 83 wins, 64 losses, one game ahead of the Texas Rangers. Um, I guess the good thing for the Astros is that if we do have to face the Rangers, we don't have to face Max Scherzer. Yeah, they shut him down. Hey, but you know what? They was talking about this yesterday on um, sports radio, and I have to agree. Do you feel that Justin Verlander's fastball is slowing down? Like the velocity on it? Bro, Justin Verlander is not the same pitcher he was. Man, he is giving up a lot of runs. In 2017. Because that, that first game against the team that I can't believe that we was losing games to. The athletics, bro. <laughs> like, Hey, that boy gave up five runs and seven innings. I'm like, oh, my God. There's there's no reason why the Houston Astros should, should be losing go to into them. a series against the athletics and only win one game. At all. Out of three. There's no reason. And now this next series, they face off against the Kansas City Royals. And this is another series that they need to take advantage of because the Royals aren't good. Yeah. So. Shout out to Kyle Tucker, man. 100 home runs now. Tucker a beast, bro. Yeah. But the only thing, you know, but you know my mental flaw with the Astros. We have great players. We have a great, you know, pipeline system to Get in new athletes, but mm-hmm. we never pay them. But you better start paying them. But the good thing is, a lot of them are under contract. That's what. That's why they don't care. We have taken analytics to a whole new level to where well, we know that we. The only one, I swear, the only one I know for sure we're gonna keep when it's all said and done, is Altuve. He the only one that can stay until he's forty, or say he just don't want to play no more. Bro, that's true. That's true. But I feel like well, Jordan well, hell, they walk. keep they keep paying Justin Verlander. They they love they him. they trade him. They pull him back in. They, they just him. can't lose that dude, man. They they love. He needs to just go ahead and become like a pitching coach or something. He probably is. He probably will end up coaching at, for the Astros one day. Yeah, he he needs to. He needs to. Well, somebody that need life coaching is uh KPJ for the Houston Rockets because oh, uh he just can't get it right. He didn't have all the kind of help that he could possibly get from the Rockets as far as mentorship and things like that. And he just go out here and he get arrested. He assault his girlfriend, fracture her vertebrae. Yeah. Uh, they, I, I know he getting cut. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to cut him. They're going to trade him. They'll trade him somewhere uh, different. Probably to a team that's more accepting of <laughs> what he has become in the no, last because week. Because at the end of the day, he getting suspended for at least 10 to 20 games. It's probably going to be more than that. And, you know, at this point, he just made a mockery of himself. And he just become a liability to any team that accepts him. You know, and the last thing we need is a cancer team. in the locker room. Yeah, because I'm still trying to figure out if this... Uh, whew, what's his name? The one that the one from Canada. This Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks. move. I don't know if this move is gonna be like, because I know what we got rid of Christian Wood. He 
became a cancer to the younger players. I don't really see Dylan Brooks becoming like a cancer in the locker room, but I feel like he are, his antics on the court is really going to make him, you know, make us like turn our eyes up at him and wonder if he's really worth the $80 million. Van Vliet, I don't have no issues with. You know, I feel like he and Jalen Green will become like a, a good combo factor in the backcourt. The front court, as long as we keep Seguin on the right path, we got Jabari, you know, we got Jabari Smith. He looks great in the summer league. Will that transition over to the next 82 games? I'm not sure, but hopefully it will. And then Dylan Brooks is going to have to realize he's probably the oldest person on the team now besides Boban, which I don't know why they brought back again. But he got to be a mentor more than an asshole this season. He has no choice. Uh, Dylan Brooks might be an issue for the uh, Houston Rockets, but he could be a good issue looking at what uh, – he did it for Canada against USA. He dropped bombs on them. That boy was shooting from the outside, inside. He was doing things on defense, which he is a defensive specialist. Um, he's not the oldest player on the team, though, just looking at the roster. I think DJ Augustine is still on the roster. Stop. Oh, no, I forgot. I forgot they signed Jeff Green, 37 years old. So Why? Well, you know what? That's mental purposes, so I get it. And he just got that chip, so, you know, I guess they yeah, feel so, like you know, he's he doing it for the money. Yeah, they feel like he can leave some some good expressions uh onto these players' face, faces after they take these L's because we're gonna collect a lot of those this year. I don't think so. I honestly, with the roster that we have, the coaching that we have, I feel like it's gonna be more defense. It's gonna be more smart shot taking. The only thing I'm concerned about is now that you pretty much let me know that we should be good on that side because I was concerned about veteran leadership. Mm-hmm. But now that I know that Jeff Green is it, because I was really scared because if Dylan Brooks was the oldest one on the squad and Boban, I was like, nah, we out of there. Now, like you said, I don't understand why they picked up Boban. I think they just really picked him up for commercial reasons. Just, just, I think that's his marketing. That's Because he, he don't play. He don't contribute. Yeah, you know, He don't really do anything. Now, I will say, they do have some players on this team that I look forward to seeing traded, uh, possibly Ooh. before the, the year begins, or they might start off with him. Jay Sean Tate, I really don't see a place for him anymore. Nah, nah. I can't. I, he, he is solid off the bench. He I, is, I, but answer this question. What is really the difference between him and Dylan Brooks? They pretty, uh, they pretty much the same player, and to be honest, Dylan Brooks is actually more efficient from the three point. True, true, but I feel like Tate gives you more explosiveness in the hole. That's where their difference is. Defense is there on both. They're both great perimeter defenders. I feel like Brooks gives you more on the outside, but Tate gives you more play on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's possible. I could see that. Um. Looking at a man Thompson and seeing how he played in that one uh, summer league game, I think he'll be a bright spot for the Houston Rockets. And that's how I know KPJ is gone, especially after the dumb stuff he did. Yeah, exactly. We know he's gone now. Now they really don't really need him. He be, he becomes expendable, especially with Cam Whitmore playing and 
seeing how he even played. Oh, but see, that's why you feel like they should go ahead and let go of Tate because of Whitmore. Because Cam Whitmore did look good. Well, And you can put him at small forward. You can, but Whitmore, I think, is more offensive and explosive uh, versus the defense. Defensive side of the ball. Yeah, he more like a, a Tate. Tate and Dylan Brooks is pretty much the same kind of player, but Tate comes at a much cheaper expense. Do you feel that we can at least at least win thirty five to forty games this year with the squad that we have? If everybody gel and buy into uh, Udoka's system, I say yeah. Because I'm just thinking about, like, you got Tari Eason. He got to get some play. And he be playing pretty solid. Uh, he's actually he's actually possible uh, to be a – he has the possibility of being a great six-man off the bench. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, K, KPJ is gone, but you have Van Vliet. So, he's making plays. He's you been know, explosive to the basket. You know he's shoot some Shoot some shots. Jalen Green, I'm looking forward to seeing him take that huge step this year. It being what this is what year three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he definitely got to take that step. If he if he looked like he did last year, I don't think Jalen Green will ever be who we thought he was going to be. I want him to be smarter about his shot selections. This yeah, year. he need he need to be smarter about his shot selection, and he need to hopefully he has been working on his shot. Yeah, because I feel like. Off, you know what I'm saying? Like his off the dribble shooting is terrible, but him creating his shot that's that got better as the season went on last year. Mm-hmm. And you know he always gonna have that explosiveness, but I want him to realize that as you get older, people are gonna realize you know that one dimensional game that you have. And they're going to stop letting you come and drive in. Yeah, because that's he's gonna create like, more pretty injuries. much that's, that's really all he got right now is that explosiveness to the basket. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want him to get hurt. But I'll I tell you one thing. I've seen some, some big strides taken by Jabari Smith just looking at Summer League. I think Jabari, he, he's going to be pretty special this year. His shot has improved. He's better on defense. Only thing I wish Jabari could have did is probably put on a little bit more weight. But besides that, I look to see Jabari really just ball out this year. And there's no kind of uh, – or there's no telling what we'll get out of Alperin and Sengun because every year he just improves and yeah. seems to be pretty amazing as well. So I look forward to him making a big jump as well. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because you're kind of looking at these players grow up. Um, when they first came into the league, they was like, 18, 19 years old, and now they're 21 and stuff like that. So it's pretty impressive to just to see what kind of strides they're going to make over the next couple seasons and just what kind of strides they can make this season to be in a better position to win. And hopefully, you know, like you said, maybe the Rockets can pull off 35 to 40 wins. Do you believe that we'll have any All-Stars this year? Possibly one. Possibly. Yeah, I, I believe one, but I don't but, really know who our one is going to Well, really, if that's the case, if I'm going to say that, I'm, I might as well say, look, if if Seguin doesn't get picked to be an all-star, then I know for sure they'll probably give it to Van Vliet. Nah, I don't see Van Vliet being an all-star. It has to be Sengun or Jalen Green. If it's not one of them two, I don't really 
I don't expect us to have an all star. Yeah, yeah. Just and, and and to be truly honest, it needs to be Jalen Green. To show that's that's I feel like that'll be a great confidence booster for him. Yeah. It, or it, or if or if he gets like the little now that they're doing that tournament, if he can do so much with like he's like a a candidate for like you know tournament MVP or something, mm-hmm. that'll be a great booster for him too. Yeah. So that that's that's what needs to change for the Rockets. That's what I like to see out the Rockets. Uh, before I wrap up this NBA talk, so one of the new rules is all the NBA teams must manage their roster to ensure that no more than one star player is unavailable for the same game. For example, the Boston Celtics would not be allowed to rest Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in the same game unless they are both injured. How do you like that rule? That's a great rule because now me being a hardworking American citizen, if I want to take my family, my kids out to a game, the worst thing in the world, especially if they have like a star player that loves to play for that team, and then you go out there and see them and then they sitting on the bench in street clothes, that's that's horrible. That's deflating to the game. Mm-hmm. And you know, another rule is that if that star player is injured, he has to be at the game in his street clothes. Because, you know, a lot of times, a lot of these players, they say they're injured, but then they don't show up. They stay at home or they go do whatever the hell they was doing or they wanted to do. But since they got to actually be there on with the team on the road and at home, it's a good thing, too. Because, like you said, a lot of people, they work hard for their money, you know, and then they take their kids to see these players and stuff, and then they don't even be there. Or they be like, oh, LeBron's going to sit out today or Kawhi Leonard's going to sit out today. And you were like, damn, bro, like, I really want to see LeBron ball out, you know? Yeah. So, another good rule that they dropped is the that the teams must ensure that their star players are available for national, uh, nationally televised games and in-season tournament games. So, there's no more, oh, it's a big game, and we're not going to be able to get to see this matchup versus, uh, you know, LeBron versus uh, Kawhi Leonard or whatever the case may be. And I, I would say this, I think LeBron and Kawhi, and it's somebody else. Nah, but LeBron don't sit out a lot of games unless he really hurt. LeBron will LeBron will play for the fans. Sometimes. Now, this, Kawhi, this, this latter. This. Paul George, yeah, I'm talking to you too, PG, because you'll sit out some quality games. Who else? Zion, Zion. quality games. Now, you know what? Zion is known for that. Like, well, let's just... To be honest, the good thing is that you really get to see the matchup now. And it don't have to be, you know, well, it does have to be an in-season tournament or whatever since that's what they brought into the NBA, which I don't like. But uh, I don't even get it or see the point of it. But now it's a, it's a nationally televised game. So anytime it's a big game, you know you're going to see the, the star players play, and which it should be like that. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't be avoiding each other until the playoffs come. Yeah, we are a long way from the 80s and 90s and everybody played no matter what. Now, they get hangnails, ingrown toenails, they not playing. Yeah. If I got a headache, they not playing. And, like, oh, and, man. And there's no, another rule that they dropped, bro, is they can't do no long-term shutdowns no more or near shutdown, you know? Uh, when them players, when they get near the end of the season and then they try to say, oh, we're going to sit Damian Lillard. And he sat for 11 games. Or Bradley Bill. And he sat for 10 games. Or they just feel like, oh, the season over. We're not going to make the playoffs. So I might as well sit, sit out. Nah, none of that no more. You got to go earn that money. Which I think is fair. Yeah. 
And number and then the main thing is all this does is help the NBA with revenue. Mm-hmm. It does, and, and that's that's what the NBA is trying to do. And more then money. my favorite thing too, you gotta play sixty five games to qualify to get any awards. Yes, gotta play sixty five. Yes. So none of that, none of that, uh, none bullshit. of that averaging thirty points. Bullshit. You only play thirty games. Yeah, then you're good. I think and I think rookies got it got it the worst because they they'll play like. Like you said, they'll play like 55, 60 games, and then they'll try to go get some kind of reward or whatever. Nah, none of that bullshit no more, bro. And that goes for everything. MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, all NBA first team, scoring titles, all of that. Play every day. You got to play. Every day. Why you playing? The NFL needs to do it too. Make sure these niggas. Well, the, the NFL is different because you actually get hit. Basketball is intended to be a non-contact sport. Yeah, but... And it's just sad that they just don't want to play. Football, I can understand. Because, you know, you out there with some grown men, and they knocking you around. Yeah, I I see from that point of view. But the NFL has the worst problem with holdouts. They need to find a way to... But also, in the player's defense, the NFL players should get paid a whole lot more money than what they're making. That's true. They only get a frat... They they only get a fraction of what the owners actually make. A, a very very small small fraction at that. It's like they're from the revenue that they get based on every player on the team salary. It's not even. I don't even think it's half of what they generate. Oh, it's not. Oh, and you know the one last thing I want to wrap up. I know we jumped back to the NFL, but the one thing I want to hit on that's very important that. Played a big part in Aaron Rodgers' injury is the NFL do, do they do need to get rid of turf, bro? Like yeah, turf. I, signed a, I signed a petition, but I but so I I could have been wrong. I could have been wrong. I thought that everybody switched over to those pallets of natural grass that they slide in and out. I thought everybody was doing that now. Nah, everybody's pretty much switched over to turf. Like only. Like, honestly, bro, only teams that really play on natural grass is, like, teams down south that has an outdoor stadium, like Jacksonville, Miami, uh, Tampa. But anybody that all anybody that has a retractable roof, with the exception of, um, of the Raiders, I think, and Arizona, the well, Raiders is not a retractable, it's a dome. But with the exception of them two teams... Everybody else play on turf. Like I think the Rams they play on turf. Uh, you know the Saints play on turf because they don't have any skylights. So, Damn, but I always thought like the grass that they use because I know because I thought everybody they were like turf is just concrete. And then you know ever since Rich Bush had that lawsuit against the uh, 49ers when he hurt himself, I thought everybody they found some type of grass is fake, but it looked re- looks yeah yeah they got grass real. turf. It look it can look and feel real, but the thing about it is that under the turf is what cement, and that even goes for the when the Texans the Texans they they play on turf now they don't even have grass in there no more. Well, they don't open the roof, which is crazy too. But uh, under that turf, bro, it's just cement. Yeah. So yeah, all yeah. you got is that little thin padding, and then you got 
the turf sitting on top of it. Yeah. So really, it's like school car, bro. Really, <laughs> really, all we doing, we just going out there running around on cement and getting tackled. Oh, don't say that. Be- because that's why boys blowing that. That's why boys blowing out these ACLs. Yeah, that's why they blowing out the ACLs, and and that's why they get more concussions because there's no real padding, you know. Oh, because they slamming their head again. Yeah. So versus playing on dirt. If this is grass. happening, if this is happening in the NFL at a high level, I can only imagine what's going on in college. Well, it's bad in college too, but. Surprisingly, a lot of a lot more colleges play on grass. Oh, okay, okay. And then you gotta also remember a lot more colleges play outdoors. That's true. So too. they gotta they gotta have grass, but it is cheaper to have turf. So that's why a lot of owners and colleges have took took an alternative to really? switch to turf because it's turf cheaper, is cheaper to have grass. I mean turf. How? Because you ain't gotta water it. You ain't oh, gotta you man. ain't gotta water it. You ain't gotta cut it. You don't you don't have to uh, continuously take squares out and replace it with, you know, with new new grass turf or whatever, for whatever reason, from the footing. Maybe it was a muddy football game or whatever. You got to replace all that or, or have someone go through and fix all that. But with turf, you don't have to worry about that. It's just keep using it, keep using it. And I think they would, well, I guess they used to do some kind of like vacuuming or whatever, but now they don't have to do that no more. They just, that's, that's crazy every, I, I would say like maybe once a year, they probably re- replace the turf, hopefully. Hopefully they replace it. Because the reason why I say that because it's like you know, you always got golf tournaments, you always got golf going on. They play on grass all year round. They have never installed any type of turf or anything like that, and they playing on natural grass and they play on it religiously. But but what do you really need? I mean. Grass or turf or golf really wouldn't affect anything. I mean, it'll affect the roll of the ball, but it's not really going to affect the player because they ain't. It's, yeah, they it's ain't not a contact it. sport. Now it'll affect like soccer. Yeah, turf would seriously affect but, soccer. But if you look at the pitch of soccer, the actual pitch, they play on grass all the time. Yeah. So, grass is a whole lot better. I know it's more expensive, but. As somebody said on a radio uh, earlier, the price of grass is not going to affect the owner's pockets, bro. At all. The the whatever they spend on on grass right then, they're going to make that back the same day, regardless. True. They True. make so much money, bro. It's ridiculous. Go ahead and put the grass down, and I think it will just it'll make the game better anyway. Just I like to see players out there in the mud. You know what I'm saying? In the trenches, going back and forth. Yeah, doing what they got to do. So, let's get back to some some old school football, and let's look forward to another week of college football and NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I know it's been a long episode, but I think it's been pretty fun. It's been a good ride today. Thank you for having me back, man. It feels good to be back. Miss this old comfort zone, this good talk we used to have. Good to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening again. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Check out the HSC website as well. Check us out. All the content will be there. Thank you.